Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. And today, my friends, we are taking on how well you take care of yourself and others. Today, we're calling it Mindful Nurturing. You know, we got to nurture ourselves, others, our neighbors, our spouses, our marriages. We have to take care of people, and we've got to be mindful to do it. But you know what? It's so hard to be mindful when the World Cup's on. I'm noticing I can't be mindful because, uh, you know, Netherlands, Argentina, they're going at it. They just started the second half, 0-0. Zero, zero. And I'm, i got to admit, I'm partial to Argentina. Lived there for two years. Sorry. Mm. Sorry. Don't be sorry. How was the food? Excellent. Yeah. Holy cow. Great food. Show me chamo, right? Well, we don't say it like that because oh. that sounds really weird. Uh, yo me, yo, yo me, me chamo. chamo. Ah. But um, zero, zero still. So, hey, but see, look, no one's even being mindful of the show. We're doing a show, guys. Yo. Oh, whoa. Wow. <sighs> We're on live. So here's the Dang. deal. I'm noticing with my children, um, they're, they're all home for summer. They're just home. And I try to leave as early as I can to get out of the house because, you know, things get crazy about nine when they all start waking up. So you're gone by by seven or yeah. six. But they, it's crazy town because, you know, my wife will make a list of things they need to do and some will do them and some won't. And then they'll say, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. So yesterday I was so excited. We were going to have a barbecue. I was sure of it because we've, we were prepared for a barbecue. We just bought a. We didn't buy. We were just given a grill. We've never had a barbecue grill, ever. Never have barbecue. So you started a new You've chapter been in missing your life. Out. Yeah. yeah. So I, this was, and t- last night was going to be the night. So do you bake hamburgers, or well, did you bake hamburgers well, before, gonna, or fry them, we, or something? Well, we or? didn't. You know, we didn't make hamburgers. no hamburgers. Oh, okay. He went to McDonald's. McDonald's. We, McDonald's. McDonald's. Gonna, yeah, yeah, McDonald's well, I mean, was that's the all we eat Matt is, Townsend yeah. token yeah. meal. Okay. So we'd buy them out, but uh, I come home. We uh, no one's there. No one's there. No one's there. My wife was gone to a shower in China, apparently. Whoa. <laughs> she got home. Places. She got home at 1130 last night. She forgot night. to tell you yeah. that. And then um, my other kids were all gone. So it was me. So did you grill some burgers for yourself? I, I went out to grill some burgers and realized I can't grill because I didn't have- Did you burn them? No, no everything wasn't needed. Oh. I, everything wasn't there that I needed. Oh. I needed more stuff. I needed, anyway. Gas? So I brought, and I had gas- you didn't have a spatula, did you? I had to use your phone, flip it over with yeah, your... Yeah, let's just clarify that. My machine, my, my grilling machine... The grill machine, didn't have natural it, gas. It had gas. It had ga- natural gas. But anyway, it's just a, it just needed some work before I could get started. So I was, it was too hot to do that. So I went inside and I just made my own incredible hamburger. And then I ate it by myself. Then I was told I had to cook all of the meat because then, you know, the meat would go bad. And so I cooked all of the meat. I made six more hamburgers... And no one was there. How much meat was it? Because were they just like gigantic? They, they were big. They were okay, bigger. Wow. Bigger. I don't know. I didn't weigh them. Qu- they were quarter pounders. So when you went inside to make it, did you just plop it in the toaster? You uh-huh. know, and yeah. the meat just yeah yeah sit in the toaster. Yeah. And first, by that was the that first p- one that, that was ruined. <laughs> Future reference. <laughs> yeah. Don't use the toaster yeah. for hamburgers. Well, that was good. And I, then I tried Bad to idea. microwave the hamburger, which you can do. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it wasn't very good. But that was mm-hmm. yummy. Better than a toaster. That's so I use the pancake. Uh, oh. I know I use the waffle maker. I, I waffle. It's I, like I made a George waffle, Foreman. Waffle burgers. Go. Okay. No, I'm not that dumb. So I made great <laughs> hamburgers. And then, but here's the deal. 
then I've got six extra hamburgers. So then I'm thinking, do I call people over? Do you call the Matt Townsend crew over? I was about to call all of you over, but then I realized, nah, I see you too much. I don't love them enough. So (sighs) I just knew if I waited, uh, if I waited and I made the hamburgers, people would show. People would arrive. And I did that, and lo and behold, who shows up but my daughter and my son-in-law. So I gave them hamburgers. And then about 9 o'clock, another child shows up. So I had a great night. I was free till 9. And then at 10, (laughs) another child shows up. And then at 11, another one. And then 11.30-ish, my wife shows up. And then I'm like, boom, there they all are. And But then they're all mad because there's no hamburgers left. <laughs> so, Aaron, I guess we need to just start showing up at Matt's house. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll get hamburgers. Yeah. Yeah, try how that so – just, just try that. See how that works. Okay. Done. If we don't answer the door, you know, try again another day. Well, do you have a fence? We just jump over that and – We actually – yeah, we have a big, huge dog. <laughs> What's sure. his name? We don't have a dog. Oh. I'm allergic. So anyway, the whole point of that whole thing is here I go home finally for the first time to be mindful and nurturing. No one's there. To nurture. But no one's there to nurture, which obviously means that for the weeks before when they were all talking about where they'd be, I wasn't mindful. See, the hard part is bringing the mindfulness so you know what's going on and then the nurturing together. Boom, boom. It's one thing to be mindful and never nurture. It's another thing to be nurturing and never be mindful. So Hmm. I'm just, you know, it's an important point. It's uh, still zero zero in the match. Hey, here's the deal, though. That's today's topic. And who better to teach us about mindful, for example, parenting? Or actually, you're going to teach us about what really basically what bad. What I shouldn't do as a daddy. Yeah. One day. Why are you why are you researching what you should do as a father? Because you were married eight days. ago. This little marriage thing, you know, happened. And uh, now I'm married. And I think what they say happens after that is little babies pop out. By the way, are you still calling it a trial marriage? No, I, I think I've moved on. You know, to you're call not. it, and it's an actual marriage. It's a marriage now. now. It's, now. We've yeah, yeah, it's, good. it's a marriage. Because your wife was really mad about. Yeah, that. she was. You don't really do. You don't try a marriage. No, you just do it. You just yeah, you get just married. do it. Nike, copywritten. So, um, so then someday you'll have children, and you're trying to figure out what not to do to ruin children. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. First question, guys. This is kind of off. Well, not really off topic, but spanking is it good or bad if your child's misbehaving? Uh, There's a controversy on this. Good or bad for whom? Who for are we talking about? The child. Like okay. a it's probably bad being. psychologically for the child. It's pretty good for the father because I was I wasn't like I had, was spanked with clothes on, maybe like padded hard. Yeah, and I I think it actually helped in certain circumstances, but yeah. I feel like it can be. Turn into abuse? Well, you know, the problem with it is uh, it seems kind of out of the ordinary. Like, because this is where I realized spanking may not be the way to do this. Because my child walked into the road, almost got killed, and then my thought was, okay, kill him. (laughs) So then I start killing him, (laughs) spanking him is my thought. Okay. But I'm thinking, well, I'm okay, I don't want him killed, but then if he does something wrong, I'll just put the fear of death in him with a spanking. It seemed weird. Yeah. So Incongruent. Did you just talk to him? Or how'd yeah. you? Well, we, we tase him. Tase him. Okay. So gentle... you don't spank, you tase. I I actually, that might be volts. a better solution. 100 volt very much. 100 no, volt tase. I think that's all right. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> we, we, yeah. Uh, well, that just seems like the spanking of the future. That's, yeah. just, that's great. It's a future. I never Wire, thought Wireless that. spanking. You put in the back of their jeans, mm-hmm. have like a little wireless taser. You just need to put one of those little collars on them. That your oh, dog the dog has. collar? Yeah. Because yeah. that stops – if that can stop a and dog from barking, you it have it around your house so he wouldn't run in the road. He would run to that line. No, but see, that, see, there's the dilemma. The dilemma is – so spanking is one thing, but then you have to – it's not just me. Then I had to agree with my wife on what we would do. 
which is complicated, right? Because she was kind of anti-spanking and I was pro-spanking because look how I turned out. So hmm. anyway, so what's your, well, what's okay. your question? But the thing is, then how do you communicate, I guess, with a, a child? Because if they don't understand English that well, they're learning, yeah. you know, how do you tell them other than physical I think means? You just, to... Well, you might pick them up physically. You might walk them, separate them, put them in a space, confine okay. them, confine them somehow, attach them to a chair. Okay. Legally, morally. Not an an electric chair, right, (laughs) Matt? Okay. No, but see, so that would be a calmer way to probably educate. Then we're going to educate the child. We don't do that. But then here's the problem. you got to do it consistently. That's where my discipline fails is I'm not consistent. I'm consistently inconsistent. Hmm. That's a dilemma. That is one of the hardest things I found about parenting is you have to be mature. You have to be more mature than the child you're parenting. And well, for me, that's up, been very problematic. Yeah. <laughs> well, they'll pick up probably on it if you're not consistent. Oh, yeah. And oh, so, yeah. They, I mean, and they've got everything to win. That, and this segues perfectly into the next part, which is pretty funny. What? How to raise a spoiled child. Oh, Matt, do you know how to do that oh, stuff? I, I, are you, yeah, are you I experienced actually think I'm that? pretty proficient. Like how to do it. Okay. There's te- so you've got the technical There's some technical details, okay. details on how so to do that. For anybody right? out there that wants to raise a spoiled child, this we is, have the solution. Here's the blueprint. Probably number one would be don't say no. Yeah. Um, that's to anything. Yeah. They're whining. They're at the yeah. store crying. Yeah. Oh, sure. If you're Take tired, this. just give them what they want. That's good. That's and, you good. know, um, make sure your child knows how much you sacrifice for him or her, you know, wear older clothes, keep your old phone, show them that. And yeah. so make them realize, okay, I'm the one in charge. Yeah, that's good. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, never let your child fail. Bail them out. Yeah. Always protect costs. them from the real world. It, it's always, yeah, it's always the teacher's fault, the other kid at yeah. school's fault. The government. Yeah, yeah, communism, whatever you got. And so, if you guys have anything to add in here, you know, James, this this sounds like how James but, was raised. Yeah, no, this. Well, is, I was his roommate, and this, yeah, I can. Well, attest if to I that. ever got like even just an A minus, my my parents would start going off about communism, and yeah, you know, they're taking over yeah. the world. Boris Yeltsin. Well, yep, exactly. <laughs> Makes me sick. Well, Karl Marx. <laughs> I asked James to clean the bathroom one time. You should have seen what he yeah. he did to me. That's Same thing he does every time I ask him to, you know, run the board. To run the board? Oh, yeah. yeah he does a little fit. Look, it's a little pretty dramatic, yeah. What else are we, not, right. what well, else are we okay. supposed to do? I mean, so you want to... It, to build, raise a spoiled child. This is to raise a spoiled... Badmouth everyone in authority. You kind of touched on mm-hmm. that a little bit. That's a good one. Um Let's see. Allow your child to gossip and then do sure. it. Also, do it yourself. Like yeah. If you have friends, oh, yeah. be, be an example. Gossip yeah. to gossip, your friends, talk family, bad talk about bad, and then let your child do it as well. <laughs> um, if your child makes a mess, don't clean it up. Um, don't let your child do chores because yeah. chores are unhealthy. You yeah, know, yeah. Well, what they, if they, they, what, if, be, yeah. what if they hurt themselves? Don't want to overwork, overexert their, yeah. themselves. And this so makes sense. It's never your child's fault. Um, do you see where we're going yeah, with this? Totally. You know? I think, do you I think, think we're building a spoiled child yeah, yet is there any other ingredients that you um, can think of I'd, that? I'd buy him uh, a maybach car a maybach oh is that uh, like p, a, didn't p diddy's dad buy his <laughs> child a maybach what that is. it's just one of the most expensive cars oh. you which which the boy had to have he was 15 or 14 when he got it so he had to have a chauffeur <laughs> to drive his maybach well, that's nice. I mean, he has a chauffeur. He can get what he wants. I yeah, mean, so that. go for some type of supercar. Yeah. Know, it doesn't have the to. It could be drive. a Ferrari, Maserati. It could be just, you know, kind of a, a cheaper supercar, kind be, of. Bugatti well, Veyron. A Bugatti Veyron, fast. You know, yeah. anything like that. It would be perfect for your child. Uh-huh. Even if they can't drive, chauffeur, yeah. done. That's right. Easy. Yeah. Let them have whatever. <laughs> I, I, my rule is give them whatever they want if it'll shut them up. 
Yeah. Parenting. Okay. That's a parenting tip. All right. And so to ne- create a spoiled child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So never let them be unhappy. No. Let them get what they want. Uh, we built a spoiled child. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I've built six. Oh. <laughs> so, so when this isn't new to me. How many have, of them have supercars? Uh, one. We have a $25 truck that one of them drives. Wow. That's mm-hmm. a super car. It's super. That's what we tell them. <laughs> that's a super truck you got, pal. <laughs> they don't like it. Um, but whatever. It's their, it's, it's their car. And they're like, when are we going to buy it? This is the big thing. They all want a golf cart. Everyone in my neighborhood has, has a golf cart. Wow. It's because President Obama gave it to them. Because back in the day, you could get a real, like a six or $7,000 stipe. I don't know what they call it. Promotion. You get $6,000 free government money if you buy an electric vehicle. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Time. Oh, yep. wow. So, so everybody in my neighborhood cart. went and bought like a $4,000 golf cart or $5,000 golf cart. And now they're all driving them around. My kids want one. Cause, and I'm like, I'm not going to spoil you. I won't buy one. So I, bought, should, I bought a $25 truck. You should spoil yourself, Matt, and get a golf cart and go yeah. have some parties. No, I won't do that. I'm too get like cheap. a deluxe one they have like yeah. here at BYU. Yeah. Carry got. the players yeah. around. Like a carry a whole team around. A Cadillac of the golf cart world. Well, Aaron, well done. Thank you. Way to, way to talk about your childhood. That yeah, was this great. is modeled in my future. What we're going to do instead is, uh, see, that is what we'd call uh, non-mindful, non-nurturing. Mm. So instead, we're going to now flip the switch when we come back. Dr. Joseph Kramer is going to join us. He wrote an article. He's a pediatrician, wrote an article about basically what we need to be doing as parents to help with, you know, our children, to raise our children in a healthier way, make sure that we're mindful and nurturing simultaneously. More with Dr. Joseph Kramer. We're going to get in-depth, folks, right here on the Matt Townsend Show after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we are talking about mindful nurturing, right? So mindful meaning your head is in the game, your head is present. Nurturing meaning you're caring, you're taking care of. uh, And today we're going to talk about yourself, your children, your family, your marriage, all different ways of being a mindful, nurturing person. Um, And, you know, the first block, we did a little bit um, about how to raise a spoiled child. And, you know, just so you know. The thoughts shared in the first block of this show are not the thoughts or beliefs of this radio station. It's Aaron's fault. Just Aaron Evans. Give him a call. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Ask for Aaron. Um, So we don't want to raise spoiled children, even though some of us do it naturally. We want to instead try to raise healthier children. And I found an article uh, in in, uh, a local paper here recently that was written by Dr. Joseph Kramer. He's a medical doctor. He's a pediatrician at Primary Children's Medical Center in uh, Salt Lake City. And he's been there since 1981. So think about how many people... A, a you know pediatrician, how many families he's going to see, how many children, how many parents. Think of all of the issues that, that will come through his office on a regular basis. Not just the colds, but some of the psychological things, some of the, the, the treatments, the abuse that he's probably seen. And so we've asked him to join us today. Dr. Kramer is a general uh, uh, practicing general pediatrics uh, in Salt Lake City. He is also... Um, 
been the past president of the Utah Medical Association, and he's on the board of trustees at Intermountain Healthcare, which is a major uh, healthcare organization here in Utah. But he wrote this article, Joseph Kramer, MD, Willpower May Not Always Be the Way It Seems. So today we're going to be talking about willpower, nurturing, all of these things. Dr. Kramer, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Now, in all of your work, have you ever seen any of those spoiled children we were talking about? Um, I just have to look around somewhat of my own kids. I know. Uh, although I'm interested in, in that golf cart idea. Yeah. you. It's, I think it's too late. I ah, live down dang. in Draper, Utah, and... Um, yeah, everyone down there seems to have one. They all come out in the 4th of July parades and stuff. Uh, pedaling does do some good for your, <laughs> your cardiovascular, so maybe I know. they just need a, a golf cart with pedals or something. I know. If I was a golfer, it might make sense, but I'm not even a golfer. <laughs> so talk to us, Dr. Kramer. You, you talk about mindfulness and mindful parenting. What, what does that mean to you? Well, some of it means what I didn't have. And so part of it is is a description of the mistakes that I experienced and the mistakes I made. Um, But what it means is to be present. Someone has said that mindfulness is this gentle effort to be in the present. And so often we move back and forth between time zones. We, We go to the past and say, oh man, I didn't do this or, um, I didn't get the uh, lead in the high school play or right. I didn't get the, the touchdown or, or cheerleading or whatever. And then we move forward to the other time zone and we say, oh, you know, what about this? This is going to happen. You know, what if this happens? What, you know, um, this could be horrible. And so we, we switch back and forth between the present and the past. And we forget that those elements don't exist. Yeah, they're gone. The, they're the, gone. the, the yeah, past or they is haven't gone. Arrived yet. Right. Or and, the future hasn't arrived. Right, and so we sit there in these two time zones, and it's interesting how if we do it enough, they actually represent diseases. If you look at depression, for example, it, it often is focused on the past. And, and yeah. what happens with depression is that our brain gets into this cycle called rumination, like a, a cow bringing up its cud, that you just ruminate you come back and you know this didn't happen this didn't happen or this did and this did and mm-hmm. this did. and we get stuck and we call that depression and on the other side we say what about this what about this and i gotta have to have this right and this has to be perfect and this uh and that then becomes our anxiety and nah. that can be enough that it's a disorder that it gets in our way so then all of a sudden isn't that interesting so it's this it's psychological but as a pediatrician it's all it becomes your clinical obligation now to deal with it this kid cannot he's ruminating he can't get over what happened yesterday he might be projecting it into the future but whatever he's doing he's not living healthy in the present right and it's often more of a question of what the parent is doing mm. Uh, because when you see a young parent, uh, often we'd see mothers, probably more than fathers, but they often act off of models. It's the concept of what we'd call a mental model. And we learn very quickly. In fact, the first six months to first year, we learn how to parent. And what I mean by that is that in those formative 12 months that you have a child who is having all these neurological experiences and physical experiences which are totally new to them, and they have to figure out what to do with it. And so when they get a, a threat, cold, hungry, 
hurt. Yeah. Those things, scared. How they manage that tension is taught to them by how the parent reacts to them. So if the tension goes up and the parent picks up on the signal and says, hey, something's going on here, and then reacts to the child's need, the child learns that the tension doesn't go too high and it doesn't stay too long. Mm. Yep. And so over their lifetime, they will learn this cycle of connection. And really, the, if we talk about what is health, health is security. And the work of um, an English uh, pediatrician, uh, psychiatrist by the name of uh, John Bowlby, uh, came up with this whole idea of the importance of, of security. It's against the Freudian idea that we're driven by drives and, and so forth. In reality, the goal is to be secure. Hmm. So, so there's, there's what this we're talking with Dr. Joseph Kramer, pediatrician um, at uh, Primary Children's Medical Center here in Salt Lake City. One of one of the best, I would say, hospitals, pediatric hospitals, probably in the country, right? Well, we like to think so. Uh, depends upon if you ask U.S. News and World Report, <laughs> they make their own list. Do they? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do. Uh, to get to sell, probably to sell their subscription. Um, in the interest, though, of what you're saying, so as somebody that's seen all of these children over and over, you're seeing what the whole battle is about is to create this security for the child. And eventually the child has to learn how to make themselves kind of secure. Right. But they, they follow the lead of their parents and how their parent parents them. They'll either become, I guess, more securely connected, attached, or less securely. Is that what this is about? I mean, right there, you've You've encapsulated it. It's the child first learns from the parent. Then once they have that skill and that impression and model in place, then they're able to move away from the parent and watch and handle the different tensions Hmm. that occur. And it's spoiling when we don't allow them to solve problems. And what we're talking about is that we're not talking about the helicopter parent where they hover. It's the idea, it's like a tension release. You know, you think about roller coasters, it's a tension release. Pleasure is a tension release. Um, And so here's this tension. The parent identifies what the need is, then then there's release. And what happens is that later on in life, those individuals who have been taught to be calm or secure by their parents have different biochemical responses to stress. And it is, it is wonderful to see how they're able to learn and then they carry it on. And what happens is that it comes through the generations. So if you grew up with a parent who was not terribly, it's not that they don't love you, it's that they weren't taught themselves how to pick up on the emotional signals. Hmm. And their parents were not taught. And the next parents were not taught how to pick up on these emotional signals. So then we have children, I guess, that can't, they don't know, they, they get tense, they get tensed up, and they can't release their own tension. Right. Huh. Right. And if you think about the brain, the brain has two jobs. One is to process information, you know, what's out there, you know, uh, temperature. and it, But it also interprets information it gets from the senses. And then the next job is to manage the energy, and that means increase the energy in times of stress, decrease the energy when it's not stress, uh, you know, be happy, be sad, 
all of those things hmm. are part of the of this process, and it's teaching children how to manage their own internal tension. That's beautiful. I mean, that really, when you think about it, is it's the nuts and bolts of most of these kind of beginning disorders, anxieties, depressions, and. I mean, I mean, it's it's a huge thing. Um, we're going to have to take a break. We're again, we're talking with Dr. Joseph Kramer about mindful nurturing, mindful parenting. How to be a parent that really can teach your child to notice the tension, to pick up the data about the tensions going on, but then also how to how to eliminate some of this tension, how to lower the energy levels when they need to. It's mindfulness, and a lot of us, ourselves as parents, we, we know we have these issues. We, we even grew up probably having very similar issues. How to learn, how to teach it. That's what we're talking about. More with Dr. Joseph Kramer. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Everybody to the Matt Townsend Show. So far, 0-0 in the Netherlands-Argentina match. It's going to go to a shootout. I can already tell. Hey, today we're talking about mindful parenting, getting your head in the game as a parent. And we're talking to a pro. Uh, Dr. Joseph Kramer um, began his career in 1981. He's a pediatrician. He's been on every board and everything you can imagine. But think of uh, being a doctor since 1981. One family at a time coming through your office, one moment at a time, one highly, you know, maybe overly attentive parent that's just so, I don't know, obsessive, and then other parents that don't seem to care. He's seen it all, and he's he's helping us out today to how to become a more mindful, attentive parent, and uh, we so welcome him here. Dr. Joseph Kramer, thanks for joining us. Well, my pleasure. Talk, uh, keep talking about it. Well, it's it's it's. When I read your article, I thought, okay, we've got to have the guy that – because I know what it's like. When we go to our pediatrician and we had a child that just – he just would cry all the time and would need – he'd need – he would not let us put him down and he wouldn't let us put him down. And we would go in and we would go in and we were basically being played, I thought, by this child. And um, the pediatrician just was very matter-of-fact and, and taught us how to just put him in there, show him some confidence. He can do it. Walk away. He'll cry. Eventually, um, amazingly – we didn't abandon him. We didn't just say, no, we're not coming in. But he eventually learned to soothe himself. And it was so amazing. And it was our pediatrician. So teach us, Dr. Kramer, teach us. What what do we do, you know, as a parent? And how do we not allow um, – I mean, you you didn't get into actually too much about the attachment. Once these kids feel strongly attached to us, what does it give them? Or or do we do we not want them to attach? Talk us a little, to us a little bit about the attachment. We want to attach. There's, that's what humans do. It's not that we have attachment or don't have attachment. It's the kind of attachment that we have. So you have basically three types. You have what is called secure, mm-hmm. which is the goal, and then you have insecure, which comes in two different forms, and then you have another type, which is called disorganized. And these are children that when the parent is separated from them, that they will often go into a corner or curl up, and and it's seen as a very chaotic sort of way of handling tension. There's a woman by the name of Mary Ainsworth who came up with this 
what she called the separation situation. And what they do is at one year of age, they'd have the mother lead the child with the observer. Right. And then they would film this and so forth. And they would do this several times. And she found that there were basically these different kinds of responses. The, the first kind was the disorganized, as I mentioned, that the child was stressed and went and couldn't handle the stress. The second type is the child cried when the mother was there, cried when she left, cried when she came back. And that was obviously an insecure child that couldn't control themselves, couldn't regulate that energy that's inside them. Mm -hmm. The second type of insecurity was kind of the the odd type, is the child actually showed no emotion when the mother left, but when the mother came back, the child would often turn away, would maybe be angry. Uh, ignore the, ch- uh, mm. the mother, and the, you say, well, you know, hey, look, look how social they are. But if you measure internally, their heart rate is beating, their blood pressure is up, their oh, yeah. hormones are flowing. So they're, they're, they're hijacked emotionally. Right. And, and what happens is that it's called avoidant. They have been taught that over time, in a stressful moment, the parent has not picked up on the child's needs and therefore, why send out messages? Sure. Why say anything? Because they're not going to interpret it. They don't get it. And yeah. they become very internalized. And the secure child is one, actually, it's kind of an, an odd display, is that they cry when the mother leaves, but the mother often will prepare them, say, you know, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go here. Uh, and as you put your child to sleep, it's the same sort of idea, is that it's a separation. It's a threat response. And so you say, look. You know, we'll see you in the morning. You're going to be right here. We're going to take care of you. And then you go back on, on occasion to soothe and comfort, but don't, don't linger too much. Don't do a whole lot. And then you teach them how to downregulate. That's great. And I mean, that's, so, that, that, that seems like the nuts and bolts of, of a lot of – because even just this detachment where – I see that in marriages all the time where it gets tense and what the one party will do is, you know, become clingy, needy, and the other party will just detach. Right, right. So, and I mean, so, it even then affects us as we age and get married. Right. And you can, you can often be predictive of how a person will handle tension by – the different styles and so if they're 35 years old and, and have a new job or just uh, then you'll often see them as maybe hesitate they won't lead out they or maybe they lost their job and so they're hesitant to apply and you know and they procrastinate delay and and the like hmm. and that's my style and so when my wife will bring something to me to do I say well let's do it tomorrow yeah put it off yeah it's an automatic response that I learned as a child and so one has to be first aware. So there are six things that you have to remember to do if you want to become more mindful. Okay, yeah, let's get to those. Okay, number one, and these are all A's, and first of all, you have to awake and arise. There's so many of us who are walking through life asleep. Oh, yeah. And I, so drove to, I drove to work today asleep. Right, well... I mean, uh, it's good to know now and not <laughs> when the officer stops you. But how many people drive, you know, a 3,000-pound car and they don't even remember driving? Right, exactly. And the brain does that because it kind of shuts down and is, is able to rest during that time, etc. And so we walk, you know, we get up, we uh, cook breakfast, we get in the car, we, you know, whatever, we yeah. have to work. And it's mindless. And so the first job is to awake and arise. Do you, are you aware of what's going on around you? That's great. 
some people know, some people don't know, and and because they've been taught this avoidant pattern, they're not really aware. They're not sensitive to other people's feelings. That it's often an I conversation. I, me, mine uh, are words that dominate their conversation. So first thing is to be aware. Is this me? Is it not me? Is it something that I need to do or change? Right. Second of all is once you are aware, once you're awake and arise and realize that maybe that's you could do better, the next step is then to use agency to make that choice. So re- really see it. So you have to be aware that you – I mean, there, there's data all the time out there that you should be aggregating, even about what you're feeling right before the blow-up. I mean, and what you're feeling as you blow up. So be aware of that. And then you're saying use your agency to choose a better response. Right. And someone said, and I wish I could give the proper credit to the right individual, but someone said that agency is the distance between the impulse and the action. Hmm. So the longer you can space out before you blow up, then you have options to say, okay, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to say, look, let's talk about this, but in a different moment. So there's that agency of choice, and it's not only that that you can make a choice, but you have a choice to make a choice. Yep. And that's, I think, almost as important as realizing the choice, to say, yes, in a critical situation, I can make a choice. I don't have to act off my impulse. I don't have to act off on a history or mental model of, of, uh, of avoidance that I was taught from childhood. Um, can you do you see this, Doctor Kramer? Again, we're we're speaking with Doctor Joseph Kramer, who's a pediatrician and uh, and works at Primary Children's Medical Center as well. It just runs his own practice as well. He's a board certified pediatrician. Can you um, can you then? It seems like so. If your depression isn't being caused just by a bad chemistry, like you don't have enough serotonin or whatever, um, can you then feasibly? With some of these A's that you're describing, uh, you know, awaking and arising and then seeing that you have a choice here and then making the choice, you could feasibly then reverse the, the depression. Well, um, I mean, I personally have depression. And so some of these principles have come from my own personal experience to say, yeah, sometimes I can choose to be a, a real punk or sometimes uh, – I can decide, look, I don't have to do this. I don't have to be sad. I can make changes. Hmm. And, yeah, I think sometimes there are biochemical aids that help us. Uh, but, but sometimes we're... There's a lot of behavioral stuff that we can do, too. Yeah. It seems like we tend to... The, bio, the biochemical stuff seems... It's easier to throw a pill at it than to just say, hold it, start noticing it, become an agent... And choose to choose in the moment. And, I mean, it just seems like no matter what, that would be really valuable to know, even if you still need a little chemical boost. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, do the most you can. I wouldn't say either or. Yeah, right. You can do and and, and uh, you know, get light in the wintertime and go outside and be kind to other people and get your sleep and, you know, be careful what you watch uh, on television and various other things. That's so great. All of those different tools can be employed, um, but sometimes, again, the, the chemistry and the, the genes are against you, and sometimes it's helpful that you take other steps. But there's a lot you can do in addition to whatever medicinal uh, help that one gets. I love that. No, but, and, again, that's I love it, too, because this is all stuff we can be teaching our kids you know, instead of just rushing to the doctor to get something, we we can 
be teaching them this as we go through life. They can start learning this as they're young. Well, you know, that's how I make a living. So, no, I want you to run to the doctor, particularly me. No, we'll, we'll run and have you check the rash. Yeah, well, it depends on your co-payment. You know, those <laughs> that's right, exactly. Um, give, give us one more before we have to take a break. Okay, first of all is, again, Awake and Rise agency, and the next one is do you have to pay attention. You have to stop, you pause and look and pay attention and focus on what is happening at that moment in front of you. Hmm. Yeah, we... This is why it's mindful, huh? I mean, my, mindfulness is kind of the focus of Zen and Buddhism and a lot of—I mean, most faiths would pretty much say you need to go learn to meditate and to be in that space. So we're just saying it, it, it's one of the reasons it's spiritually healing is probably the same reason it would be physically healing. You're paying yeah. attention. Right, and, and it's interesting that the depression and anxiety is treated in faith. Um, organizations by words like repentance mm. and faith, but they're dealing with the same challenge of depression and anxiety that um, prompts someone to be present. Oh, I love this. I mean, it, it's, it really is. It's a universal truth. It just it's so it seems so real that to a be awake and arise to what's going on, but then be understand your agency that there's some choice making in here, and it's hard. We're not saying it's easy. Cho- yeah, just go choose to be happy, but it's 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 a choice to to try whatever you can in the moment, and even if it's a little bit, it will help. But then pay attention, stop and pause, and and kind of I always say let the wave go over you a little bit. So, yeah. Sometimes you you just kind of go with the wave and you become reactive to the stimulus. Instead right. of just kind of noticing the stimulus and then letting the wave go over you and then go make some progress. Well, and I think it, we often in the West think about that meditation is, is an exclusive Eastern Oriental yeah. practice. In reality, it's a very Christian Absolutely, we have perhaps uh, have forgotten. And I think it may be an opportunity to, if you will, resurrect meditative practices in whatever faith or no faith that a person has because... What you're doing is you're restructuring the brain, hmm. uh, and what you just like you said, let the wave go. Instead of focusing on this thought that came from the past, let it go. Let, let it go. go. You know what? We oh. have music for that. There it is. <laughs> the famous let it go sign. Again, we're talking with Dr. Joseph Kramer, pediatrician from Primary Children's Medical Center. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Dr. Joseph Kramer is going to uh, give us the other three points to make sure that we get our heads in the game and, and how to create kind of mindful parenting. So appreciate the conversation. More with Dr. Joseph Kramer. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, a little uh, soccer update for you. Still 0-0 in the Netherlands-Argentina match with uh, at the 90-minute mark. So now it's going into the, I don't know what we call it, the extra play, the 30-minute. <sighs> Stressful. Hey, uh, Dr. Joseph Kramer. By the way, I'm, I now that Dr. Kramer's teaching me this, I'm trying to use all of his great advice on how not to stress myself. Um, during this match. Dr. Joseph Kramer is a pediatrician at Primary Children's Medical Center. He's been practicing since 1981. He's probably seen everything you can imagine. And um, we so appreciate him being here. He's teaching us how 
to to make sure that uh, we as parents can be mindful and also things that we could be teaching our children, those that are stressed or anxious, or if you're seeing some, you know, some different kind of attachment issues, if you see some some insecure attachment or if they're overly attached or, or not, uh, or kind of aloof and escaping any desire to be near you, these might be some tools to look for. So far, welcome back again, Dr. Kramer. Well, thank you. Are you not watching the match? You know, I'm paying full attention to oh. you, and I'm listening to your great voice. Me too. And all the wisdom that yep. you're pouring out. Thank you. I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> uh, it's just they keep bringing me notes and sticking them in front of me. No. You know, um, it's, it's interesting how much these World Cups have energized. Isn't that cool? Yeah. A football in the traditional international yeah. sense. Yeah. And it's prompted me to invite my children and grandchildren to a, a major league soccer game. So. Really? You know what? I have a feeling that today it's soccer and football, uh, but in a few years it's going to be lawn bowling. I bet you in 20 <laughs> years it'll be cricket. We'll all be taking on cricket. And then, you know, eventually we'll get to the, what's it called, in, uh, on the ice where they sweep a little ball. Uh, curling. Curling, yeah. I think that'll be about 100 years away from now, um, maybe maybe when the ice, when the world freezes over. Hey, uh, talk to us, Dr. Kramer. You've, you've given us three. What are you calling these six points so far? You've given us three of the six. Six things uh, that what? These, these are the six points that help us. Well, we'll use a, uh, an early bush, the six points of light. Okay. This is how uh, we're going to get more light in our life, huh? Well, it, uh, you know, light has an interesting effect, particularly those who have seasonal affect disorder where they get the winter blues. I yeah. Mean, it's more than just blue, that, that the light, even in depression, depression, uh, that doesn't necessarily have a seasonal component, light can make a difference. So there is something about light. That's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's symbolic, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's very it is. symbolic. Absolutely. You go, you go seek the light. Yeah. So you've taught us awake and arise, agency, exercise your agency, uh, pay attention to what's going on. Next one is attunement. And attunement is the emotional connection from one person to another. And it's interesting, the babies are made beautiful because nature wants you to look at them. Hmm. And by looking at them, gazing at them, is that you transmit emotional signals to them and they pick it up and give them back to you. And so you're downloading your lifespan to them in that you're showing what happiness is by smiling. You're showing what fear is and, and what love is and by your facial expressions. Hmm. And it's yeah. constant, isn't it? And it's natural. You, even if you didn't want to, it's going to happen. Right. And you can imagine then a child having this surge of energy and not having any guide what to do with it. Yeah. And the guide comes by having that facial expression. That, that's why when a little child trips, we all like, oh, we all make this face like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Don't well, cry. What I do is, is, okay, take that child at, at 18 months, a toddler when they trip. Now take that child to 15 or 13. Yeah. And they've just crashed their bike, and they come to you on the doorstep, and they and they cut their pants, and it's bleeding, and the bike tire is bent, and... And they come to you, and if you say to them, you're okay, they'll say to themselves, A, you don't know, you don't care, and you, never, you don't love huh. 
Yeah. And or, so, or if you get you, mad, like, oh, what were you thinking? Right. Right. Yeah. And so in stressful moments, they will learn that no one is there for me. And if I do, they'll just get angry at me. And so one of the things you can do is you can go back to the person's memory. And it's, it's an interesting exercise that you say, okay, tell me the most scary thing that happened in your childhood. Tell me when you were sick or when you were hurt and how they tell that story. So this is a 25, 35, 45-year-old uh, parent. Tell me your story when you're afraid. The brain will pick out the story that it uses as the model to deal with tension. Really? Yeah. Of all the, there's 9 million minutes between birth and 18 years. So out of those 9 million minutes, it's going to pick a story or not, but it will typically pick a story and then how they tell that story and what that story says gives you clues to how they handle tension. Interesting. Yeah. No, I believe that. So you're saying we we can attune, we will naturally be attuning ourselves to those around us anyway, and we've got to be careful how we do that because we might be sending them a message we don't intend. Absolutely. And that comes back in checking with yourself, being aware, even asking yourself that same question, tell me a scary story from my childhood. And I used to do that in practice, and it was phenomenal, the stories that people would come up. And these are, you know, these are all spectrum of humanity. Sure. Those that are the white shirt type and those that have the tattoos and everything else. And they all had individual stories. But the absence of a story would be a story. Yeah, it's why don't you have a story? One of those yeah. avoidant things. And so yeah. you'd have a story where the child is all by themselves. Well, that sounds so much like this insecure avoidant where the child is alone. Hmm. Um, on powerful. the other hand, you could have a secure story where the child was having a nightmare, went into the parent, the parent recognized them, comforted them, and then took them back t- to sleep. Yeah, That's a different story than the parent yelling at the child, uh, get back into bed. Yeah, exactly. Don't make me come ask, up there. Yeah, you can have... Ask the story, and they will tell you then how they problem solve. What's your what, What's the next A? We've only got about three more minutes. Okay. Uh, attachment that becomes secure, insecure. Okay. And then the the last one is I throw an atonement, and that is this idea. Just what you talked about is forgiving, letting things go. Religions use that in a variety of different contexts, but it's it's the idea of letting the past go. Begin to be forgiving of yourself and, and others, uh, and coming back to this whole idea of being present. Oh, and it, it really is. Um, it, it's a web, and I see it all the day. I just I have a couple I just saw yesterday that they can't get over their divorce and how their ex spouse so messed them up. Yeah. And um, but I look at it and I just think, okay, th- these are great principles. Great. Let's just start to awaken our eyes. Notice you're feeling these things. Understand you have a choice. Attention. Pay attention to what's going on in the moment. Attune. Try to figure out what kind of emotion, chemist or physical or uh, connection you're having. I love the attunement part too because um, if if we aren't, we're the ones that are going to pay for the lack of atonement. Right. So if if I don't have atonement and forgiveness, it's not it's not my partner that's going to pay or my parents aren't going to pay. Eventually it's me. I'm not going to pay. 
Right. I mean, I'm going to pay. I'm going to suffer because I don't have the atonement. Right. It's beautiful work. And you see this. Uh, you, you, there is hope, right? So if my child's manifesting some of this, what would you, where do you say I begin? Where should I just, what should I do? Go talk to my pediatrician. Do, 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 pedi- do pediatricians generally get this? Or is this just because you've been at it so long, you've kind of taken more of a psychiatric approach? Well, I think it's my own history of, of my own uh, avoidance, yeah. my own insecurities, I think, that have, have driven me to this. And so, no, I, don't, I think most pediatricians are not aware of this, unfortunately. I think one of the first things to do is you try to practice to attune where you get connected with somebody else. And one of the ways to do that is talk we. Yeah. Um, we feel this way. We are tired. We are sick. We are there. But it takes time to do that. That's why the attention. That's right. You need the attention, don't you? Yeah. You have to spend time to connect. And, I mean, as what's neat about you, I think, Dr. Kramer, is... Uh, the mere fact that you're w- you're willing to say you've you've suffered depression and that you this has helped you, I mean, that that's 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 a great testimonial because you can still go be a highly successful, wonderful practitioner, incredible person, even if you've gone through this, if you'll just pay attention and act yeah. with agency and attunement and atonement. It's powerful. Yeah. You're a great testimonial. Uh, that's a T. It doesn't fit with the A's. <laughs> that's right. We don't want to add that one. Well, what, you can say attractive, or you can yeah. say... You're an attractive... Uh, yeah, that's uh, good. Alert. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you, Dr. Joseph Kramer. We're going to have to have you back, uh, because you can explain it so well, and everybody needs a uh, you know pediatrician we can just call. Well, absolutely. We're all children inside. Well, and I, I, I totally agree with that. In fact, if you ever saw how our show was done, you would see that we're all uh, pe- we're all children on the outside as well. Well, my question is: Do you have any? Do you need any help with rashes? I, I can. Yeah, I can yeah. In fact, that. yeah. In fact, James here has a mole he needs checked. So <laughs> okay. if you'll hang on, we'll get Skype up. I will do it. <laughs> well done, Doctor Joseph Kramer. Uh, incredible, incredible guy. Go, go, Google Doctor Joseph Kramer. MD, and you'll see he, there's a bunch of articles he's written. You can go to DeseretNews.com and, and just look his name up there as well. Wonderful, wonderful stuff for all of us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion of mindfulness. We're going to now talk about how to make sure you're nurturing yourself personally. Uh, now we've got parenting uh, at least covered for today. And then a, bit, a little bit later, Heather Johnson will be teaching us about how to mindfully take care of our marriages. This is the Matt Townsend Show. More on mindful nurturing right here on BYU Radio. Everybody, the Matt Townsend Show. Hello, we're watching. We're keeping one eye, just one eye, one eye glued to the um, to the Netherlands Argentina soccer match, football, football. And I'm I'm rooting for Argentina. Zero you, zero is the score. Do you speak Spanish, Matt? See, si, they've heard that. 
Can you speak some first? No, because it's the language of love, and I do not want to start problems. Oh, that was Italian. That was French, actually. Was and French? I think the only one that can start problems with love is James, the PhD of passion. That is very true, because I have a PhD in passion. Wow. Wow. Pat, that's passionate right now. What's there. with the whip? Where'd you get the whip? No. Because it's a PhD in passion. PhD in passion. Passion. Try that again. I'm a PhD in passion. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's the deal. I don't know. Have you guys noticed something? This is the Matt Townsend show, and I don't have anything like that. <laughs> no, you do. You have Matt Man and Felix the Matt. Yeah. We, we have a number of things. Like, here. Here's one for you. Good job, Matt. See? Yeah. Okay, see, that's see, a good one. No, but the, the energy <laughs> in the whip snap. Hey. It's so much better. I don't have anything, Matt, and I'm appreciative of that. So just take your few minimal things that we have. But I I just want to just point out again: the show has my name on it, (laughs) so we we ought to be like building. People are sick of hearing my persona with like whips and snaps. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just do it, or else (laughs) I'm gonna quit. (laughs) Yeah, Sean. Okay, let's see if we can just pick one out. Are you ready? Sure, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm kind of a big deal. See? That one's That's perfect. That's just for you. Yep. Yeah, but see, again, see, that puts me as like like an arrogant, <laughs> wow. cocky, not like this, not like the doctor you. of passion. It describes you. <laughs> Perfectly. <sighs> I'm ready to talk fits. about... If the, Some serious things right now. If the boot fits. Okay, so ready. let's get back to our topic. Maddie Richard. Oh, wow. I get to use the whip? Well, yeah. No. No. So here's the deal. Um, today we've been talking about mindfulness mm-hmm. and nurturing and how we need to take care of our relationships. We've been talking about as parents how we need to be more mindful and nurturing parents. And now Maddie Richard is going to teach us about how to have a more mindful, nurturing self-focus. Exactly. Okay. We spend a lot of time, I think, taking care of other people. Yes. Taking care of our relationships and maybe not as much time taking care of ourselves. And we have to be mindful and nurture ourselves or we're not going to be able to help those around us. Yes, I totally agree. And then what does that do? Then you're dead. Yeah. You're dead. You might literally be dead. Totally. Okay, so we have. I have a big list of things that you can do. Some of them are to take care of yourself. Yeah, some of them are very broad, yeah. and some of them are very specific. Let's so take hit what the you list. need today. Okay. Um, number one, sleep. Exactly. That we, was easy. We don't let ourselves get enough sleep. We don't. And you know, sometimes you have to decide. Okay, I'm going to sacrifice this aspect of my social life to get some sleep. I'm going to not have the cleanest house today because I need mm-hmm. to sleep in. I need to catch up on my sleep and that's i've sacrificed the show many a time yeah you because have of a lack of sleep. sleep i've actually slept out in the parking lot oh i believe it yeah but Un- it's under a tree if and you, then if security you got mad if you're not being mindful of how much sleep your body needs then you're not going to be able to fully give yourself to your commitments love it so get your sleep and everybody's sleep is different i mean some need nine hours some need james needs 14 yeah it some just need depends. seven yeah all right the next one is have me time you we, time? Yeah. Well, no. Alone time. Have you time. Like personal. Me time? Okay. You're making this awful. <laughs> you need to have time for yourself. Exactly. Okay. I agree. So, you know, maybe it means just you go for a 10-minute drive and you're not making a grocery list in your head. Mm-hmm. 
or you read a chapter of a book and don't feel guilty about the time that you spent and don't make other don't tell other people yeah I spent 10 minutes reading and I felt really guilty yeah you know just accept that I need some time for myself and that's good I like to say this is what I say to my kids hey daddy needs some time leave me alone and daddy it doesn't needs even have to be I mean maybe the kids are napping and instead of immediately rushing to go do this and this and this you take your time I to love do something for yourself. Love it. All right. Um, keep learning. Just because you have a job or you're staying at home and you're a parent, you're just because you're not in school doesn't mean you're out of the learning yeah, game. Yeah, right. So make some time for yourself to take an online class, to read some books, to get one of those language programs. Listen there's to the so Matt Townsend much, show. Exactly. Where we, we done teach you done every day. Yeah. There's so many ways to learn with the internet, with the accessibility we have to everything around the world, yeah. you have no excuse to not learn something. Right. And that is going to give you more fulfillment because you're going to be advancing your knowledge. In my free time last night, I learned that from micro on Dirtiest Jobs, <laughs> I learned that uh, you can get 60 different types of diseases from the waste of a pigeon. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that TV is necessarily the best no. learning But mode, Mike Rowe nailed it. But that's – I mean I'm really glad. I'm really happy for well, you. Well, and so now I know I'll avoid, avoid birds and their doo-doo. OK. Well, that's – I'm just putting really, that out there. I'm really happy for I'm you. I'm putting that out there for the listeners. OK. Keep going. All right. The next one is find time for spirituality. And yes. a lot of people either are super, super spiritual or some people are just very anti-spirituality. Like I'm super – you're super spiritual and other people just aren't. You can get time just drive. I listen to talks all the time. And, and you don't even have to – I mean maybe you don't believe in anything per se, but go spend some time in nature uh-huh. appreciating this planet that we live on, the beautiful things that happen, or you're going to get so depressed by the horrible things that happen every day. And that's not healthy. That's great. So just take some time to – maybe it's praying or scriptures or whatever. Maybe it's that walk in the woods. And the walk in the woods though could be physical and spiritual. Exactly. So it you're going to be getting two, both. Yeah. Two birds, one stone. Two birds. But again, careful with the birds. Yeah, be careful. We just learned about pigeons. 60 right airborne diseases. That's what I'm taking out of today. It's a great lesson. All right. The next one is – Take stock of yourself. Self-evaluate. A lot of times we just go throughout our days and we don't evaluate how we're doing Mm -hmm. emotionally, how we're doing mentally, how we're doing physically. That involves listening to your body. That involves sitting down and figuring out, okay, I'm really sad today and I need to figure out why and I need to do something about it. That's right. This is going to help you not blow up or have an emotional breakdown. That's what the good doctor was just telling us. Exactly. Pay attention. Awake pay and arise. Exactly. Do a little – what did you call it? Self-evaluation. Self-eval. That's Safe good. Self-evaluation. Take stock of your emotions. It's easier to sit down and say, okay, I'm really angry right now. This is what I'm going to do to help me feel a little less angry than have a yell at your kids, yell at your spouse yeah. two days down the road because you've been holding it in. Love it. Okay. So next um, – We'll go to keep – oh, make dinner that you like. Last night, did it. Yeah, I'm Hamburgers. proud of you for doing that. A lot of times – I find this is true with moms. Moms are so selfish. Selfless. Oh, yeah. They just do everything for their family. And sometimes you just need to do something for you. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily take a ton of extra time out of your routine. Yeah. Making dinner is part of your routine anyway. Just plan on making something that you See, really love. When my wife tries that, like sushi or whatever – no one eats. 
Then well, she feels all guilty. Then, then the I'm like, kids hey. can eat PB and J for a day, yes. and they can deal with it. Yeah, and go to your room. That's what I say. Well, no, that's not what. I'm Okay, that's bad. Is that bad? I'm saying. I'm okay. saying. I'm making this for dinner tonight. If you don't like that, plan on something different, or tell me, and I'll make something simple and easy for you to have, and you can try a bite of yeah. this fancy thing or this thing I, I really it. like. Just doing small things. That'll like keep that. you doing. That'll keep you in the game. How hard is it to make a meal like? Di- I mean, Dino Nuggets. Come on. Yeah. You can't keep living and off the dino And it doesn't have nuggets. to be once a week that you make mm-hmm. your favorite meal. But just right. take time to remember, okay, I'm allowed to have my own likes and dislikes regardless of what my family likes and, and you're gonna, dislikes. And that's good for your kids because you're going to expand their mind. And it's going to also help them. I mean, sometimes people, kids view their moms as the martyr. Yeah. And if you say, well, I'm not. I still have a life. I still like to do these yeah. things. And this is what I'm going to cook tonight because I really love it. It gives your kids permission to have things that they love as well. They, they get their own thing on their birthday. Yeah, exactly. This is good. You got one more to just bring it home? Have fun. Laugh at yourself yeah. and look for the good. I think a lot of times adults forget that their kids are growing up, but so are they. Mm-hmm. You adults are growing up. What, why did you say you adults? Like you, you looked at me like I'm the adult. You will. No. Well. And yet your you lip curled. Folks. Your lip curled like it would if you saw curdled milk. <laughs> you old folks are, are growing up. Like she's like, you're getting older. No, but you just need to... Be mindful of the fact that you're getting older too, and life is short. And so what you are you need saying? to Why laugh. You, well, you just looked at me again. Be happy, Matt. Is what I'm telling you. Do you, am, do you know something I don't know. Yeah. Am I? Matt, do I? Matt's an unhappy guy. I the doctor clean, just called. I did clean up some bird stuff the other day. Yeah, you Matt have 23 out of the 60. No, ah, but the point is just advice. laugh at yourself. Be happy. And be mindful that it's okay to be happy. It's okay to act like a kid sometimes and throw water balloons and be stupid. I know. I know you know that part, but you sometimes get really, really stressed about other things. I do. So I'm helping you. That's good. You're very good help. Good job. Way to nail it. Wow. Thanks. Wow. She's good. I'm going to go do some of those right now. You didn't write any of them down, though, so. No, I'm going to take your paper. Okay. Hey, uh, we're going to take a break. Wow. Good work. That's why we pay... Maddie Richard from New Jersey. That's why we pay her the big bucks. Well done, Maddie. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about mindful nurturing. We've covered parenting, being a mindful parent. We've covered being a mindful person. Uh, Next up, Heather Johnson is going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about being a mindful marriage, being a mindful partner. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house, Heather Johnson. Well, it's good to be here. Heather, and she's she's bringing, she's brought some cookies. I did. I brought cookies today. It's it's one of those days. A little Is overcast, it? still hot. Yeah. We need something. So cookies, they, they do a body good. They do. They do. And, and that's important because let's just make that be a fact. Uh, cookies make you happy. Well, we're mindfully nurturing ourselves, right? Yes. So we've, we've just done food. Yeah. Maddie talked about food. Let's call that a mouthful of nurturing. There, there you go. Mouthful of nurturing. <laughs> Heather Johnson's here. Now, Heather's one of our regulars. She's here all the time. She's an adjunct faculty member here at Brigham Young University. 
She uh, teaches students the principles behind successful families and the importance of families spending time together. She's a frequent contributor on KSL Studio 5. She teaches about successful families there. She has her own, uh, what do we call it, your, your mother show. What is oh, that? Oh, Listen to Your Mother. I direct and produce the Listen to Your Mother show, which is... Which, by the way, great advice. Is a ser- Absolutely, Listen to Your Mother. Yeah. It's a series of monologues. We do them once a year. Yeah. Women audition. Yeah. It's amazing. Stories. Happy, sad, the whole thing. My gamut. sister went to your last one and laughed her head off. Oh, well, good. And then cried. And then cried. And then laughed again and then cried. And then she had a nervous breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. So it works. It, it does work. <laughs> it totally works. <laughs> You've published your own book, Fun uh, Family Fun Fridays, which is my favorite book because it has literally tens of thousands. Of thousands. It gets bigger every time. Of activities uh-huh. that you can do with your family to exhaust them so that they will then go to bed quietly. And sleep really well. Is that what those are yeah. for? It's exactly right. It's why, we, it's why I put it together. So that's that how we met because you, uh, that's not the first time we've met. But you made me do some of those activities on television where, and I pulled a hammy. You did pull a hammy. Your, your attitude that day, Matt, it was a little rough. I was off. Uh, it was. I was off. You know. But my hammies were tight. <laughs> Let's just get that out there. It was kind of akin to, you know, a 16-year-old. Yeah. But he, tight hammies do that to all of us. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, think of it. If you got tight hams, hamstrings, then you you get you, you get do. irritable. You do. You're just a little ornery. Because I, I didn't have any ibuprofen. so. And I give you a tough one. You gave me the hardest one, by the way. I give you a tough one. Yeah. It's true. Anywho, um, you can find more at uh, about Heather. And Heather, you, you got to change your blog name. Um, <laughs> blog.familyvolley at – oh, that's your email. That's my email. Blog.familyvolley. No. no. Just familyvolley. Oh, yeah. Dot com. Oh, you don't need to change that. Yeah, that's pretty simple. Familyvolley.com. And volley comes from? I played a lot of tennis growing up. So you like to volley. I love playing the net. See, I would have I would have done familyace.com. Family. Ooh, that's a good one. Because I love to ace people. That's a good one. Yeah, you know, where were you when I started that? Uh, you know that what? I'm going to go try to get that ago. right now. <laughs> Familyace.com. Not if I get it first. So, Heather, you, I know, you're you're a great wife. You're a great mom. Are you a mindful oh. partner? It's hard to pay attention to the spouse when the kids are, you know, close to killing each other. It it is. I try to be. I do. I would hope. I, bet you're I hope that if you asked my husband, he'd say the same. He called me. He said, "Yeah." He did. Oh, good, good. Are you? Does teach us? How well, do we do this? You know, mindful. I there are so many different words for mindful. In my mind, I always use the word intentional. Mm-hmm. I like the word intentional. I do too. It has a lot of action behind it. Yeah. So for some reason, intentional works for me. And there's a great analogy. I ran into it as a graduate student years and years ago by Dr. Doherty. Yes. He writes a book and he has this fantastic analogy about a canoe. Simple. We might have even chatted about it before. But if you think about getting in a canoe and doing nothing or in the water, never. You're just floating. You're a floater. Right. You are a floater. And you end up wherever the winds and the currents take you. Yeah, exactly. And that's what your marriage does. Yeah. If if you and your spouse get in this canoe and do nothing, you are never going to reach the destination you want. I love the metaphor. And I think we could take it even further because – you have to be intentional to get in a canoe. You, you do. Have you ever noticed that? You do. Very not, you don't just, you just, I guess I'll just get in. Yeah. You like have to hold it, <laughs> focus, do. stabilize, concentrate. It. You do. Sometimes you got to push off a little bit, get yeah. some help. That's and, just coming from a, some, some serious work. Get in a canoe. Once. Right, right. And so we get in there and we make this conscious decision. And the difference between kind of the success and the failure or the mindfulness or not is that we create a working plan. That's cool. And, 
as spouses in a marriage, we have to decide that we've got this working plan and we're going to do whatever it takes to implement that, yeah. right? Otherwise, too busy, too many kids, too many obligations, those winds and currents, man, they're going to beach us, That's flip right. us over, bust up our canoe on the rocks. Next thing you know, you're trouble. drowning. It's exactly right. Drowning <laughs> six kids deep. <laughs> it's exactly. Right. And they're all on top of you, yeah. so they're going to survive right. and you're not. It's See. And that's what happens. It's a great Those metaphor. Those kids take over. Well, and he is, Bill Doherty is the guru, right, of kind of, of intentionality and uh, rituals mm-hmm. and making a plan and saying, and we do it with our money. We do. Right? I'm going to do it. If I, if I had money, I would like budget. <laughs> Sure. I would plan. I would focus and make sure you know I'm, I'm putting enough in the right place. Right, so that we knew where we wanted to go. Yeah, we good. have to know that. Okay. I think too. Sometimes we forget when it comes to our marriages, we see them as very linear. Yeah. As this A cause B cause C mm-hmm. cause D, but our marriages and our families are so circular. In fact, life you know systems are that way. Yeah. The things I do today and the way I respond to my spouse was affected by what happened today, what happened five years ago, what I saw happen in my house 15 years ago. What you expect you should do. That's exactly Exactly. right. What I've seen on TV, what I've drank, all of those things. What Pinterest put up. Pinterest can be trouble. Mm -hmm. Or or Facebook, (laughs) because now you're looking at all these other families that are always smiling. Why is everyone always smiling in pictures? Well, we kind of portray that. But this, it's fakery. It because is. Two minutes before, they hated each other. <laughs> and they're like, no, get in here. Hurry. <laughs> and then we... T- we fake it. Yeah, yeah we fake it. Yeah. And so we want to take a step back and understand it's not that A causes B, but what we do and how we respond and how mindful we can be is a result of what's gone on our entire yeah. lives, yeah. This, this culmination for yeah. every minute. It's, it's a whole, more whole... <laughs> approach right to think you're it's it's not just last night right or you know what was just said uh-huh. it's a lot of other things yeah. plus what was just well, said. Uh, did you hear our earlier guest um dr joseph kramer's like you know there's stuff that happens at 12 months of age right that's how you learn to cope with stresses and anxieties and if you don't handle that it's going to impact how you'll attach which will impact how we're going to deal with stuff as right. a partner. And how mindful we can be in our marriages. Yeah, right? exactly. So we've got to be mindful. So here's some of my favorite ways or things we need to think about when we're creating this working plan. The first is to give our spouses the benefit of the doubt. Ugh, I, I call know. that the high road. And yeah, it is. My, my dad always said that. Take the high road. Take the high road. But I have kind of this analogy. When we think about being with our spouses, there are going to be times when they or when we say things that might not come out right yep. or that could hurt feelings or could sound harsh or yeah. well there may what do you mean there, there will, will be <laughs> like <right>? every day <laughs> there all the time like i didn't mean it that way right but it's it's still taken that way and so i know for myself personally i have this i've made this decision when i got married that i would always assume because my husband loved me yeah. and i trusted in that he would never do or say something to intentionally hurt me that's a good thing so that underlies Anything I do. And I'm very mindful about it. So it underlies any conversation, any actions, any anything. Yeah. The second part of that is, and being religious, I always think, well, if you really did mean to hurt me, then you've got a much higher power to answer to than me. Oh, he's going to get you. (laughs) And that's on his head, right? So I'm always thinking, and my husband is so wonderful, but if there's anything that does come across that way, the thought is always, he loves me and would not do it intentionally. And so we can give the benefit of the doubt. Leave it alone. 
Because when you lot. don't, you end up uh, dehumanizing. You end up being <clears throat> angry, and then then it becomes self-fulfilling. Then everything they're doing is because they're trying to hurt you. Absolutely, all when the time. They may just be an ignoramus, right? <laughs> they may just not know what they're doing. Sure, or but, maybe I, I took it wrong. Yeah, maybe I maybe it's you. had a bad day or yeah. had a bad situation five years ago, mm-hmm. and it reminded me, you know, oh, all yeah. that subconscious. Yeah. So, And that leads to another one, which goes right along with it, which is not holding grudges. And you just touched on this a little, but we've got to be mindful to let go of those grudges. Let it go? Let it go. Let it go. We only have one hot button. <laughs> there it is. Well, and here's the interesting thing with grudges. When we hold grudges, what starts to happen, and we don't, it happens in a split second, is we start to inflate our spouse's faults. Yes. We make them out to be much bigger than they are. Yep. But the problem is at the same time, we start to inflate our own virtue. Ah, so now I'm fantastic. You're a saint. And he's, he's lousy. Right. Yeah. And we literally put those things in backpacks and we take them to every new situation we face. So true. So how can we be mindful of our marriages when we're going into them already tainted every new day in every new situation? That, then, it, then, yeah, then you're just going to tip your canoe over. It's exactly Cause right. Because you got too many rocks. Right. <laughs> leave the bags. It is. Leave it's your true. baggage. Yeah, leave them behind. So we don't want to hold grudges and we want to give the benefit of the doubt. They really go hand in hand, but they uh, create an environment that will change the, our marriage oh, dynamic. Sure. The, um, when you think about the, the grudge thing, it's, I don't know, it's you're, that you're not living in reality. Right. Right. And we create. You're going to be wrong most of the time if you're going to hang on to that one thought. It's, right. It's not going to play out today that way. Yeah. It, but it might look like it does, but it doesn't mean that's reality. That just means what you're picking up. Right. And we've become fantastic and they've become lousy and nothing's even happened yet. Totally. Because we're carrying them. Oh, man. So we don't want to do that. Okay. Hold on. We got to take a break. Okay. Let's take a break. Time flies with you. This is good stuff. You know what I mean? This is really good stuff. Strengthening marriages. We're here with Heather Johnson from um, Family volley.com family volley because she played tennis <laughs> she could have used family love I could have that's tennis too would have been good too whatever look at this good stuff with Heather Johnson she brought cookies by the way and uh, we're going to be eating the cookies watching more of the match no one's watching it because we're listening we're listening to Heather more with Heather Johnson on the Matt Townsend show right when we get back right here on BYU Radio Back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show in the house. Heather Johnson, Heather Johnson, trying to figure out an accent to do your name in, but Johnson. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough this one. Is, this is Heather Johnson. Yeah, we'll just stick with it. Heather's here from the website uh, familyvolley.com. Family volley because she played tennis, and family because she has a family. dot com because it's on the internet. <laughs> And uh, she's teaching us today some of the ways that we can be intentional in our marriage and, and, and be intentionally nurturing, mindful. You, you, mindful. You, you use those interchangeably. Right. We're mindful of our marriages. So far, you've taught us, though, um, to uh, give the benefit of the mm-hmm. doubt. Don't hold a grudge. Right. Even if you need to park your car somewhere. Right. <laughs> and you haven't gotten to the next one. Okay, the next one is we need to create rituals. This is one of my favorite things that I teach couples. The, mine too. I absolutely love the power behind rituals. No, every, nobody gets it. 
even when you teach it, they're like, they kind of get it. Sure. But rituals are what hold the world together. It is. And our lives, those patterned interactions. Yeah. Well, the trick between a ritual and a routine is that we add meaning. Yeah. And so what we want to do in our marriages is we want to find those pattern interactions and we want to add meaning to them. And now they turn into a ritual for yes. us. And those rituals then provide us with stability and predictability and opportunities to, you know, teach, value. All those things come together. Right. They strengthen our marriages. Uh, we have had an, exa- or an experience with this a little bit cheesy. So yeah. bear with me. I love cheese. It's, it's pretty cheesy. Uh, but, for example, brushing your teeth is something we have to do every day. Hold it. Well, we should. Matt, yes, should. I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> Ask your wife, yeah, but she'll tell she you the says same. I should. Yeah. She, yeah. Not so meaningful. It's not to me. It's I, not meaningful. It's not meaningful. No. Right? It's, it's very routine. I do it because I don't like the dentist. I do it because I want my breath to smell. Yeah. You know, that's why we do it. Feel fashion reasons. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. Well, my husband and I hadn't been married very long, just a couple weeks, and I was in graduate school at the time, and we had to go to bed at different times. He could go to bed at a normal time. I had to stay up and research and write till 3 in the morning. And one day I went into the bathroom, and he had already put toothpaste on my toothbrush. Really? Oh, so sweet. I Romantic. Know. I know. And you're just married, and I'm thinking, oh, That's I, so cute. I knew I married the right person. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah. And so I didn't think much of it after that, brushed my teeth, went to bed. Well, the next night and the subsequent night, all three o'clock, he's already in bed. And every time I went in, I'd flip on that light, and there sat my toothbrush with oh, the toothpaste on a ritual. It. A ritual. Meaning... Something very routine, but we found a way, or he did, I should say, found a way to add some meaning to that. And now, you know, 13 years later, it stands that whoever goes to the bathroom first to get ready for bed puts toothpaste on the other person's toothbrush. That is cool. Now, we think of it, and it is, it's cheesy, I know. No, that's great. For that split second, we've been mindful of one another. He's taken a minute to think of me or I've taken a minute to think about him. And it's survived a few episodes of neglect, which Uh is how we know a ritual takes hold. Well, then decay starts. Right. (laughs) Sure. And once it sets in and the dentist takes over, (laughs) we get right back to that brushing. Someone's going to have to pull it. (laughs) But those patterned interactions, those rituals, they provide us with the memories and the stability and the meaning behind our everyday life. What's cool is it seems like most couples already have rituals they just wouldn't know oh that's the ritual right and we, we might not do it all the time but we do it enough but it's meant i guess the key is it's got to be it's got to connect you right You've, so it's got to be mindful you've got to have intended that this is going to be a mutually connecting event absolutely and that's even you know definitionally rituals are coordinated uh-huh. they're repeated mm-hmm. and they're meaningful and they're sacred you they're, don't mess with a ritual you really don't and even with that toothpaste example there was a time we'd been married about 2 years and i remember going in late again and flipping on the light and no toothpaste <gasps> oh i was devastated was he, i remember thinking uh, he was exa- it was no big deal did me. you wake him up I, i'd wake him up i i didn't i'm not quite that <laughs> so you should have fixed the ritual by waking him up every day at 3 with cold water and just said thank you for putting <laughs> toothpaste on <laughs> on my toothbrush every night but we did i brought it up a couple of days later and we talked about it and he had no idea yeah. how much it meant and it was like well if this means that much absolutely sure. this is a powerful thing if that's all it takes yeah, to make if, you happy that's exactly right then that's toothpaste great. by all means yeah same with uh coming and going rituals you know establish those things yeah say hello and goodbye the same way you know exchange a kiss or a hug mm-hmm. or whatever it might be and Make your life patterned interactions, those rituals. It seems like uh, I always teach with my clients when somebody dies or passes away, it's really the rituals you're going to remember. And miss. Yeah, because yes. imagine, heaven forbid, you lost your husband, you'd have to put your own toothpaste on. I know. It'd be horrible. Or you'd probably lose your teeth. Right. <laughs> but see, but that's – it's so – it's a it's a special thing. That's where you're going to tie all these ties 
together. Together. Yeah. And it's we huge. want those. Even if it's every day at lunch, you call your spouse or whatever it might yeah. be. Add that meaning. And we don't – we often think in our marriages that means we have to go find a lot of new things. We don't. Yeah. Look at what's already happening yeah. and simply add the meaning behind it and repeat. And now you've got those rituals. That's so cool. And so then this is an important one. I, I teach three to five a day. Sure. I mean, because you could, you already have a ritual for getting up together. You already have a ritual for saying goodbye, saying hello, maybe a call in the middle. But two, it has to. We you really have to talk and make sure you're, you're both motivated by it, because otherwise, and you have to coordinate it. Because right. if, if if we come home for a kiss and she's thinking like a peck, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like a yum yum kiss, um, I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I don't know how to do that on the radio, but. It's going to create a problem because now every time we come home, there will be a conflict, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's back to the discussion. You know, underlying anything mindful is communicating, is talking to one another. You know, that working plan we started with at the beginning of all, you know, of this segment really has to be both of us communicating and talking about that plan. Totally. Decide your destination and then come up with how you're going to get there. So So that's the power behind that. So those are important. Should we go on to a couple more? Yeah, give us more, more, more. Okay. Hey, by the way. They're in the shootout. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that. That's why everyone over there is right. not looking the at you. The TV's behind my head. But I'm looking but at you. But you can see it. I, I can, can. T- okay. But I can see it out of my peripheral. But I'm not even looking. So keep me updated. I'm totally okay. engaged. <laughs> keep going. Okay. You watch the shootout and no, I'll just No, I don't want to see it, but he's about to shoot. Okay, go <laughs> ahead. Okay. No, okay. don't worry about it. The next one is we've got to strengthen our core. Now, there's this. Not, not, don't, this isn't not the our body. stomachs. Please. Right. There's I've a, tried that. <laughs> it didn't help your marriage? It didn't help my marriage. <laughs> there's this great body of research that helps us understand what core is and what balance is. Okay. Core are those things we do every day with our spouse or with our family, spontaneous, uh, little need for money or resources huh. or planning. Yeah. Then we've got balance. Balance are those things like, you know, more a vacation or those things that take more money and resources away from home, that right. sort of thing. The research makes it very clear that the most important between those two are the core, the everyday things we do at home with our spouses. Really? They provide stability and security. Now think about it. If in our marriage we know things are stable and secure. It's, okay. So talk about that though. But, but so this isn't – you're not saying like – so a core would be cleaning up dinner after the kid – I mean and, be, and being there doing dinner sure, together sure. is more important than maybe even that magical trip to the Bahamas. Right. Because think about it. You could take that magical trip. But if you don't like each other when you're doing dishes That's at right. home, the trip's not going to do Well, the core is not going away either. Right, right. That's It's going to cool. cause contention. So we want to strengthen our core in our marriages. Go back to those core things. Go back to that spontaneous, even if it's doing dishes together or let's go for a walk or playing, whatever it is at home. Huge. Make that strong. Bring that stability and security in. That then paves a trail for trust. Yeah. It enables spouses to be willing to try new things or engage in new things or even just to be so comfortable in their marriage that they don't worry and then we're back to the grudges and yeah. to the doubt and all it of that. It seems like the um, the core – it seems like the tech is starting to impact the core in a way because now this technology is creeping right. in and you, you see more and more partners turning to technology. Sure. Even when they have that second between – Oh, doing the dishes and then the next second before we decide what we're going to do. A lot of us are turning to our tech instead of to each, to other. each other. To each other, right? Yeah. Uh, my husband and I, we we were out to eat not too long ago. And 
as we were talking, we couldn't help but notice the two couples that we could see, neither of them spoke a single word to each other the entire dinner. Were they texting, they were texting. each other? Maybe no, they were texting te- each other. Well, they could have. We'll give them the benefit of yeah. that. Yeah. Let's just right? say they were. We will. Yeah. Because that's what we do. To communicate that way. But there was not a lot of talking. And that leads to another really powerful point, which is we've got to talk to each other every day. Now, here's the thing. There's a magic number. What's the number? 15 minutes. Is that all? Is that all? It's so small. It's just 15 minutes. But a... A huge – the number is is monumental. Couples don't talk for 15 minutes a day. So we know that the surest antidote to marital entropy – and entropy is a disintegration of our yeah, marriages. Just a hardening – Right. Yeah, it's falling just, apart yeah. is 15 minutes of talking daily every day. That is nothing. That's nothing. If you think about it, we waste that, like you said, on technology. Yeah. We waste I, that every I day. I waste that going to get a beverage. <laughs> we do that. And here's another really cool trick when it comes to talking. Lots of times couples will say, oh, but it's really hard to talk to my wife, especially husbands, or they'll say, oh, but she wants to talk forever. Man, she won't stop. I know. And wives, we kind of tend to do that. We want to hash it out or say it five times instead of just getting to yeah. it. So if we can create what's called an exit phase – our husbands will be much more likely to jump on board and talk to us. Exit phase. Exit phase. What does that mean? Exit phase. Make it really clear. Say, can we talk for 15 minutes? And when that 15 minutes hits, be willing to say we're done. And you will find that your husband is much more likely to say, Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk, right? Because there's an there's an exit. There's an exit. Now the same thing. Uh, lots of times husbands will feel or be made to feel guilty because their wife wants to communicate, but they have to go to work or they have yeah. another responsibility. We we don't want to do that. We do have those responsibilities. So it's a great time for a husband to say we're being stereotypical, obviously, with yeah. our spouses. But for a husband to say, you know what. I can only talk for 10, but when I get home from work tonight, we can finish this. I'll give you another five. It's exactly right. <laughs> then you can have your, you know. I'll give but you another 10. The key there is when he does come home, he needs to hold true to yeah. saying, hey, you know, let's finish that conversation. That's huge. But that exit phase, you know, we give it a title, but it's it's a really powerful way to engage couples when they're struggling with those conversations. Because it does sometimes. Hey, honey, can we talk? Because he hears, oh. you got a day. Right. <laughs> you got a day a we could share. to hear this. Right. But, but really knowing, you could then just easily say as an invitation, honey, can we talk 15 minutes? Right. You and, say that. Yeah. And then be true to it. Yeah. Be true to it. And, and then don't make the whole thing be about how messed up he is. Right. Well, or she is. Right. And that's not the type of communication we're talking yeah, about. No. We're not talking about, you know, hashing out, mm-hmm. you know, my socks are on the floor. Yeah. You're the, that's not what yeah. we're talking about. We want that good, solid communication. So 15 minutes a day, we can all do that. We Anyone. can cut time out from technology or anywhere else to find a way to talk for 15 minutes a day. I'm going to do that. 15 minutes. 15 um, minutes a day. Do you have one more quick one? We've got lots. You know what? Here's a powerful one. Let's do uh, going to bed at the same time. We Huge. kind of haven't gone that yeah. you know that direction. But if we want to be mindful about our marriages, there we want that intimacy. That is so important. And it doesn't marriages. always have to go to it doesn't. sex. It could just be – it's a ritual again. It's a ritual. That we are going to be going together – Closing down the day. That might be where you get your 15 right. minutes of talking. Yeah. I mean, we've heard it referred to as pillow talk, but talking together. Yeah. All of that can come. And at the same time, we want to be mindful. You know, we're connecting marriages and families here. But if we as parents can be mindful about our parenting and get our children on a bedtime schedule also, yeah. then all of a sudden we have this time every night to connect with our spouse because we're actually putting our kids to bed on a schedule, yeah. right? That routine right. again, that ritual. So it's much bigger than even just us. Let's put them to bed so that we can have that time. That time together. And then we need to go to bed at the same time. Uh, and there's one other tip with that. Yeah. You know, I've heard that it's 
it's important when it comes to this pillow talk, all of that, for spouses to take turns instigating if you do want to be more intentional about being intimate. And it's a great challenge to kind of take that each person once a week kind of instigates In, those Yeah, things. initiates yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you're open to that as, you're, as a spouse. So going to bed, that helps us kind of cover the communication and the intimacy and the rituals all together to just be more mindful. Yeah. In our I love that. And, and research shows – even scheduling your intimacy. Right. I mean, we get done what we schedule. Right. Like, I have a doctor's appointment. I'll schedule it. I don't try to just show up and like, hey, what's going <laughs> Mind on? Mind if I come in? Right. What's going on? Can right. you see me? Yeah, so schedule. Ske- absolutely. I mean, everyone's like, oh, that's so – everybody that complains to me about how that's just too planned. Then tries it. Yeah. And is- or, or just compare them to those that are having more intimacy more regularly. There's a schedule. There there's is. some there's some plan going on behind it. There is. And it's about yeah. again that, you know, fantastic word you started with today, which is being mindful. We've got to be mindful oh. of every aspect of our working plan. <sighs> you're good. It's good it's good stuff. And you're better than just cookies for heaven's sakes. <laughs> well that's good. You bring the goods. <laughs> Heather Johnson, are you gonna stick with us? You've got yep. to stick with us through the end of the show. Uh Sean's gonna be talking about nature versus nurture. Oh, good stuff. It's just fun. I mean it's fun. And by the way, no, I didn't even know this happened, but somehow I could sense it. Uh, Argentina just won. Oh, okay. See how good that is? So good at multitasking. Who says men can't we, multitask? We need to talk about multitasking. I loved it because you'd look much. at your notes and I'd be like, okay, they got a goal. I would not. That's what I do when I go to a sports bar with my wife, too. That, and that's the minute your, she looks down, I'm up. Your restaurant of choice, sports yeah. bars. For her. She's, she loves wings. She loves them wings. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Okay. We're taking a break. Uh, We'll have uh, more when we come back. Heather Johnson, go to her website, familyvolley.com. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're wrapping up our show today. We've been talking about mindfulness, nurturing Heather Johnson, Heather Ann Johnson, in the house. In the house. Raise the roof. Heather Ann Johnson. Hadge. (laughs) (laughs) That's not pretty. Hadge. We we don't use it much. No. Uh, She is, she's, she's been teaching us about being a mindful partner. Well done. Thanks. And uh, as we wrap up the show... Sean, speaking of a mindful partner, Sean is a very uh, mindful. Is there something you should tell me? I don't know. That's just I'm trying to build a segue. See, that's why <laughs> that's why you should write the segue, Sean, because then I wouldn't have to build it. If I build it, I'm going to always say, speaking about a mindful partner. <laughs> okay, Sean O'Neill, not from Ireland. Hmm. He's from Lehigh, Utah. I hope so. Hey, Shawnee, um, yeah. talk to us about nature versus nurture. Well, you you you've, you two have probably studied a lot of this. I'm guessing not a bit. Yeah, <laughs> never. So uh, I'm I'm well. What is nature versus nurture? Can you can you give me a definition? Nature, uh, what God gave you. Right. Nurture, what your mother drilled into your head. <laughs> well, that's not. Too that bad. seems negative for the mother. Uh, <laughs> negative. Uh, nature, nurture, what mom and dad drilled into your head. Um, somewhat. Okay. I don't know. Well, there. Um, I found this article um, by Saul, Saul McLeod. Uh, it was on the website simplypsychology.org. Hmm. It was uh, written back in 2007. Okay. 
Um, but he refers to uh, he gets into this argument actually because it's it, this has been an argument that's been going oh, yeah. on for how long? Uh, Adam and Eve. Probably Adam and Eve fought about this. Yeah, is this old? Is this Cain, older Abel? than who, who? Who? Where did that come from? Is this older than like chicken and the egg? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this predates the chicken egg problem. Oh, okay. Well, he says that those who adopt an extreme heredity position are known as nativists. Hmm. And their basic assumption is that the characteristics of the human species as a whole are a product of evolution, and that individual differences are due to each person's unique genetic code. So the earlier a particular ability appears, the more likely it is to be under the influence of genetic factors. Wow. Okay. So Tiger Woods, his success was genetics because right. at the age of two, he was making, you know, 150-yard drives. Something like that. Amazing. <laughs> That's cool. Um, but then there's the other end of the spectrum. And at that end are the environmentalists. Oh, yeah. They're also known as empiricists. Mm-hmm. They need the data. Yes. And their basic is, assumption is that the uh, at birth, the human mind is a tabula rasa. Tab, tabu, tabula rasa. Yes. Or a blank slate. Yes. A good and, accent. And, Thank you. <laughs> well, he's, he, I, I, I speak Italian, not Spanish. So. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's gradually filled as a result of your experience. Yeah. So that that's the that's the two ends of the of the scale here so, that we're looking at. You know that's interesting because I what would we call the third one? There is no third one. Let's make one up. Go right ahead. Because I feel like more. Uh, I, I feel like I'm more in between. Uh, I would I feel that way too. Unless you want to blame someone, then you can always blame your parents. <laughs> that's true. Which I mean, well, then you think take of a that. Side. There's a lot of people that get they beat down their parents because you know mom does this. Oh, of course. Yeah, but I look at things like, well, when you're born, you breathe, you breathe instinctively, right? Yeah, unless oh, they they spank you. Well, yeah, but you also have, <laughs> but then you have to learn how to walk. Ah, see, if we left it up to the kids, would they walk? I don't know. Mine wouldn't. Mine would scoot like a dog. <laughs> Mine would scoot with two hind legs like a dog till eh? death. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just always. Yeah, mine but, were scooters. I, so I, I'm not sure. But what uh, what McLeod says here is he, he says, we can see why the nature-nurture debate has become such a hotly contested issue. What begins as an attempt to understand the causes of behavioral differences often develops into a politically motivated dispute about distributive justice and power in society. Wow. Because, I mean, this, this evolved, this argument evolved into, in, they went into intelligence. Yeah. Is intelligence, you know, something that's, given to you by nature or is it something that you nurture or see and some even or is it spiritual is it yeah godly you know is it coming just from the fact that you've you're a child of god mm-hmm. see this is where i actually think in the end and this is i think being proven out to some degree it's a mix of both right so you might be you might be nurtured away for for thousands of years, your gener- your people did something for thousands of ways, thousands of years to keep you doing something, and then evolutionarily, it just becomes your nature. Right. That's where we started walking. You know, the fast, the people that were the the basketball players for thousands of years were the ones that were walking, and those that were scooting never got to play ball. They didn't. That's true. They chose other sports. Yeah, they chose other tennis. They chose. I did a lot of walking. They did a lot of weaving. <laughs> they they did a lot of weaving. They well, there's wa- curling. They did curling. Yeah. yeah. Bowling. 
Yeah, we probably need an expert on this top, on this topic. <laughs> okay. Well, according to McLeod, he says in recent years there's been a growing realization that the question of how much behavior is due to heredity and how much to environment may itself be the wrong question. Hmm. He says, take intelligence as example. Like almost all types of human behavior, it is a complex, many-sided phenomenon which reveals itself in a great variety of ways. The how much question assumes that the variables can all be expressed numerically and that the issue can be resolved in a quantitative manner. Manner, excuse me. The reality is that nature and culture interact in a host of qualitatively different ways. Huh. And I, I agree with him. Yeah. I think he presents a very good argument about this argument. <laughs> yeah. He's, and, he's, <laughs> but pretty much what he's saying is that there's no way to know. Right. He's just – that was kind of a – not say it a cop-out, but – But like, he did it intelligently. But actually, there's absolutely <laughs> no way we can measure this and know and come to any conclusion. Well, what he's saying is the people who are on the extreme ends of this argument are really kind of not correct. It, it, it is in the middle, this whole thing of nature versus nurture. We've, we've got to present it that way. Yeah. Well, and arguing that arguing for one or the other is impossible exactly. because you couldn't prove it either way. Right. Not definitively anyway. Yeah. I think we're kind of back to that circularity and linear relationships. It's just also circular and intertwined. Mm-hmm. There's just no way to pull apart. Was it really nature? Was it really? They're just all in there yeah. together. You guys, you're we didn't good. solve anything with we that. We didn't solve that. No, we didn't. Uh, well, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were I gonna tie we that up with a bow, and you were gonna have the one definitive answer. Yeah, one definitive answer is it's in the middle. It's always in the middle. It's in the middle, except not for our, well, that, not uh, for Argentina. Well, <laughs> okay, when you <laughs> right on the post, boom, well, win the game right there. Okay, when you try to stop an argument between your two kids, where is the truth? It's in whatever their mother says. Uh huh. That's but where, but where does mom find it? It's not one kid. It's not the other kid. It's in between. It's the in two. the space between. Here's a quote. Theodore Rubin says, the problem is not that there are problems. The problem is expecting otherwise and thinking that having problems is a problem. Boom. Thanks for joining us. Heather Johnson, you rocked it. Oh, happy to be here. Well done. Good job, team. We'll be back tomorrow. More fun ideas, more tools, more, you know, more help to be more mindful right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for listening to BYU Radio.